All right, the Buffalo Sabres are 1-0, so clearly they are on their way to, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup. Uh, some big things ahead for this team. No, uh, in all seriousness, a good game, a good th- uh, way to start off the season, and uh, I'm here to recap it for you on the Lockdown Sabres podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Joe DiBiase here for the next 20 minutes or so. Uh Going over this Sabres-Penguins opener, it was a good one. I thought that uh, it was pretty entertaining. I thought the Sabres looked really good, and uh, I thought it was a good way to start the year. I thought it was some positive. It was a positive vibe, and I think this team needed a positive vibe going into the home opener because there's still some staleness. There's still some frustration uh, resounding in the fan base, and I think that a nice win over the Penguins, over Crosby and Malkin, and looking pretty good doing it too is a good way to start the season. So I'm going to take a look at the game. I got a couple of... Uh, trending up players I want to go through a couple of trending down players as well Uh, another uh, segment I'm going to do on game recap uh, episodes a lot is going to be called the complaint department and I'm not sure how full the complaint department is going to be tonight but um, we'll go through some stuff that uh, the fans and myself did not like about the uh, Sabres win over the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, to start the season Let's start with the trending up players. I think a couple of... uh, Actually, you know what? Why don't we start with the negative? We'll get to the positive in a second. Let's start with trending down. Uh, Only a couple of players that I thought didn't have great nights, and um, one of which I think was obviously Vladimir Sabotka. I think you look at... there's uh, if you follow Don't follow Chad D. Dominicus on Twitter. Be sure to do that. He's got a lot of good stats that he's going to be providing throughout the season. And looking at some of his stuff that he was posting... The Sabres 5-on-5 were really, you could say, dominating the Pittsburgh Penguins throughout the night. Their expected goals for was at 76% compared to Pittsburgh's 23. Uh, 5-on-5 scoring chances, the Sabres had 71% of the 5-on-5 scoring chances. They had 63% of the shot share. And you look at their lines, and it's like, all right, Larson, Oposo, Giergensens, they did really well. Uh, Eichel, Reinhardt, Olsson, they did as well. Then Middlestat, Sherry, VC did pretty good. And then way down at the bottom, when you're looking at Corsi and you're looking at Fenwick, there is Skinner, Johansson, and Vladimir Sabotka. And I think the biggest reason for that is Vladimir Sabotka. Johansson, I thought, had a pretty decent night. I thought him and Skinner showed some chemistry. They showed the ability to be able to pass the puck back and forth. Uh, Skinner almost scores a beautiful goal in the first period. He almost toe-drags it around Matt Murray, who is sliding outside his paint. And Johansson put it right on the tape for him, and he... Skinner just loses it at the last second. There's a couple of other plays throughout the night where, you know, I think Johansson and Skinner are trying to create some sustained pressure. And then Sabotka, this is another play that happened in the first period after Skinner and Johansson take it into the zone. The Penguins try to desperately clear it. Sabotka steals it and he takes the puck away and then he skates behind the net and he gets himself trapped in the corner doesn't know what to do he turns his back and he ends up losing it that's something i see a lot from vladimir sabotka when he gets in trouble he turns his back to the defender and because he is not a very big player and because he can't shield off a a good defender from taking the puck from him often he loses it and that happened a bunch of times tonight and it's a big reason why that guy fans and media alike thought it was a very uh, it was a head scratcher that he was on that line at all and that he was in there so trending down definitely Vladimir Sabotka at the end of the game I don't know if this is a regular thing or maybe it was because they had a penalty kill uh, and it was just a one-time thing but I saw Kyle Poso skating with Johansson and Skinner and that's not really ideal either but I will say it's a lot better than uh, Sabotka if Poso was playing on that line I'd feel a lot better about it than if uh, if Vladimir Sabotka was um 
Another player that was trending down tonight, I thought Victor Olofsson didn't have the greatest of nights. He was all right. He made some nice plays. I thought he breaks in on that one kind of half breakaway, and he does a good job to shield off the defender and then get the puck to his forehand and lift it. And I thought he got a good scoring chance off of that because that was a tough spot to be in. Um, so he had some nice mo- chances tonight. Very questionable power play placement, I think, for Olofsson. Um, I don't know why... Ralph Kruger has him in the high slot. That is where Jeff Skinner makes his money. That is the perfect position for Jeff Skinner, whereas where Skinner was playing tonight, I think is a perfect position for Victor Olofsson. I think those two guys were flipped, and I don't really understand what Ralph Kruger was thinking there. Skinner, think about the goals he scores. Often it's not a one-timer. His shot motion isn't really designed to be great on the one-timer. A lot of players just don't really have that. Um... It, it can happen. Look at Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel, for his entire career, has not been a guy that rips one-timers. He gathers the puck, and then he rips a wrist shot. And I think that's more up Skinner's alley. So I don't really understand why he was on the right half wall, where that's designed more for a one-timer. Olafson, on the other hand, we know has a great one-timer. That's the perfect spot for him, and yet they were flipped. So I don't really understand that. But otherwise... I didn't think Olsson had that bad a game. I do think that he showed some uh, some lapses in his own end. I think that he had a couple of turnovers in his own end. But all in all, not a terrible performance. But I would like to see more uh, from Olsson if he's going to continue to play on that top line with Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. I will say as a whole, that line definitely played well. They well outplayed Sidney Crosby's line, and they were matched up a lot. You look at expected goals. You look at the shot percentages. You look at uh, shot attempts, um, possession, Eichel's line did better than Crosby's line tonight. I think that's a really good uh, that's a really good first impression uh, for that line going into the season. One other guy that I think is trending down, Kyle Oposo. I had to, I, I want to do three names each, and I threw Oposo in there just because I think if that guy is going to be able to stick on this roster, it has to be to finish. It has to be. It's the one thing he has left. You would think, right? He the skating is gone, the the physicality is gone, the days of him being a power forward are pretty much gone. What does he have left? The shot and the finishing ability. We saw that last season, I thought, with Kyle Oposo a lot. He was uh, he had double-digit goals in the power play. I think of his 13 goals, actually. I'll look this up real quick, but I think of his 13 goals on the on uh, of the season as a whole. 10 of them were on the power play. I'm going to check that real quick here. No, not 10, but 7. 7 of 14. So half of his goals last season came on the power play, which a lot of that was on the second unit. Um, and throughout his career, he's been a pretty high, pretty good shot percentage guy. Averaging When you average over 10% uh, percent for your career at shot percentage, that's, that's a pretty good uh, finishing ability, and I think he's had that. Tonight, though, I think you're going to need to see better. He, gets, he comes in on a breakaway, and he lifts the puck over the net. He has a chance uh, to the left of the net in the second period, and he's got a glorious opportunity, and he lifts the puck over top of the net, and he misses. Then in the third period, while he was playing with Skinner and Johansson, he's camped in front of the net, actually makes a nice play to kick the puck from his skate up to his stick, and then gets a chance on, but he doesn't finish, even with Matt Murray out of position. So if Kyle Poso is not going to be a healthy scratch night in and night out, if he doesn't want to become the next Matt Molson, where the Sabres have to find a place in the minors for him to play, then he's going to have to start finishing uh, some of those chances. I'm going to take a timeout here. When we come back, I'm going to go through my trending up players. I think there was a lot of them, but I narrowed it down to three. So I'll give you my three top trending up players from Sabres-Penguins tonight. The Sabres beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-1 to to go to 1-0 on the season, tied atop the NHL uh, with their with their two points. It's the Locked On Sabres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Jody Biasi. Back after this.
All right, welcome back. Let's get right into it. Trending up players from the Sabres 3-1 victory in Pittsburgh to start the 2019-2020 season. I'm going to start with Casey Middlestad. I thought he was maybe their best player on the ice tonight. Uh, a lot of good passes. I thought he was all over the puck. I thought that, you know, they had some lapses that line did in their own end. But for the most part, I liked Middlestad's game. I thought that he wasn't really getting taken advantage of with his body. I thought that along the walls he played well. Some of the stuff that he needed to improve on and that he didn't really show in the preseason... I thought Middleset did a good job tonight against the Penguins, which is not an easy matchup. Now, he didn't get Crosby and he didn't get Malkin, but a lot of the times Middleset was on the ice, he was going up against Nick Bukestad. If you know anything about Nick Bukestad, he does have some offensive ability, but the name of his game is he is 6'6". He is big. He is physical. And I thought Middlestad did a pretty good job uh, when he was matched up in situations with Nick Bukestad. I thought his line did a better job than Bukestad's did. You look at expected goals, possession, anything uh, from tonight, and they did do a better job. Um, that line as a whole, if you can, if the Sabres can get some contribution out of a Middlestad, Connor Sherry, and... Jimmy VC line, then I think the Sabres are going to do really well for themselves. That's a that's a type that's the type of secondary scoring they got tonight that they did not have last season. And Sherry, I'm going to kind of group in here with Middlestat scoring two goals. What do you what do we want out of Connor Sherry this season? We're not needing him to score 30 goals or 40 goals, but you want him to be a guy that can play on the second power play unit, that can chip in here or there when you need a goal. He can go out there in an offensive situation. He can provide some offense. And tonight he did that with two goals. I think you're hoping you can get somewhere in your 20 on the season. And tonight was obviously a great step towards doing that. Jimmy VC kind of the same boat, by the way. He did not score tonight. He came close on an empty netter. But I thought he played really well. Um, I thought along with, with that line, they showed some good chemistry. I thought they had some really good scoring chances. Their possession numbers were pretty high tonight. And he's kind of in the same boat as a Connor Sherry where, hey, if I, if I can get 20 goals out of that guy this season, I'm happy. So we'll see if VC can do that too. Middle set even, you could probably group into that for right now. So I'm very intrigued and very optimistic after one game uh, for the Sabres' third line. I thought they played really well. Uh, so I'm really going to put them as a whole, the third line trending up. Uh, two other names that are trending up for me. Carter Hutton. Carter Hutton played really well tonight. I thought he did have a little bit of trouble with re with uh, rebound control, but he made up for it with some really nice saves. His side-to-side -side movement was really nice. Um, he didn't have a ton of... It wasn't a shooting gallery in front of him. I thought the Sabres did a good job limiting the Penguins, but Hutton did a good job, I think, limiting... Um, I thought Hutton did a really good job with some of his high danger scoring chances that were against him, and he did a he he did a good job against Crosby and against Malkin. I thought Malkin looked better than Crosby tonight. He was a little more active. He had some more chances. He looked more creative, and uh, he had some chances that I thought I didn't think Hutton was going to stop, and he did. So it's a good start for Hutton as well if, in his uh, bid to continue to be the number one goaltender on this team. Which but I wouldn't have started him. So good on him because I would have started Linus Allmark tonight. I think Allmark has upside that Hutton does not, and I want to see if that's in there because um, if not Ukebeka Lukanen's on the way but Hutton did uh, clearly show that he was up to the task tonight by getting the start so I think trending up is uh, definitely Carter Hutton and then also trending up is Rasmus Dahlin that goal man it's filthy it is filthy he, the, his ability to lift the puck like that almost entirely in the wrists It's a, when you get in tight like that it takes some real skill when you're right in front of the goalie to be able to lift the puck over his shoulder. Look at what Zemgis Girgensons did. When he comes in on that breakaway, he goes forehand, backhand, he gets in tight with the goaltender. He does not get the puck off the ground at all. Now, maybe he's going for the five hole, but if he isn't, he doesn't get the puck off the ground at all. Here's Darlene 
two hands up near the top of his stick, a lot of wrist, kind of a, 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 mo- a position where a lot of players are still stick handling, and Dalene takes the puck and he lifts it over Matt Murray's shoulder almost to the top corner. It does get a little bit of a bounce off Murray's shoulder to go a little higher. So it actually looked better, I think, on on TV than it really was. It looked like he went bar down, and he did in a way, but it wasn't clean. It went off of Murray's shoulder, but still a great shot. Um, so a great job on the goal. If you watch the play, I'm not sure if the Sabres feed showed this, but I saw on Twitter the Pittsburgh TV feed. They show like almost like in football like the All-22 uh, view. They, they show it from up high and... Uh, from up high and behind where Darlene was going up the ice and he creates this whole play. Colin Miller puts it up the boards and he gets it into the neutral zone. Darlene is racing diagonally towards the puck, which most defensemen either wouldn't have the permission to do or wouldn't have the thought to do. And here's Darlene roaring up from his position at the left side of the ice towards the right in the neutral zone. He picks up the puck, puts it right on Reinhardt's tape, and then he keeps skating. And that's a good thing, too. I'm, I'm That was kind of maybe Kruger's system at work. Some systems, like Dan Bilesma, for instance, two years, three years ago, I'm thinking about that play thinking that wouldn't happen. Darlene and Dan Bilesma's system maybe gets the puck up to Reinhardt, and then he retreats back to his position. Whereas... Darlene in in tonight he gets the puck to Reinhardt and he keeps going because he knows he's got a step on this defenseman and that he can beat him to the net and he does just that and all it would take is one nice pass to send him in alone and he got that from Sam Reinhardt so a nice little give and go and it was Darlene reading where the puck was going to become available in the neutral zone picking it up getting it off his stick quick it's so impressive to see a young player like that in one motion in almost like a three second span know where he needs to go to get the puck where he needs to put the puck after he gets it and then what he needs to do away from the puck after he gets rid of it it's a three-step process that play is to launch Darlene towards the net before he even gets the shot and I think a young he his instincts and his ability is on another level and you're not going to see that from from most players but that, that's part of it. That's part of the talent, and that's part of the reason he's trending up tonight because I think he is capable of taking a monster step forward. He was described as the best prospect defenseman to come into the NHL since the 70s, and I think tonight you saw a little bit of an example why people thought that. Even Eric Carlson wasn't doing that at 19 years old. And here's Rasmus Dahlin. In my last episode, you heard me talking about over-unders. Dahlin's over-under was 45 points. He's on pace for 82 goals. Okay, I know, one game. He's not going to score 82 goals, and I know it's stupid to even bring that up. But he's on his way. He scores nine goals last season. He's already got one. And if he keeps playing like that, 45 points, like what are we going to talk about goal-wise? Because he did have some other chances, too. On the power play, um, he got some pucks through to the net. That was a little bit of an underrated part of his game. When you think of Rasmus Dahlin, I don't think you really think of, oh, he just gets, gets pucks through. No, you think of the filthy hands. You think of the moves he makes. You think of the spinorama, the skating. You think of all of that. And sometimes what you don't think of is the simple stuff that he also does well, like on the power play, at the point, being able to get a wrist shot through to the net and get it through to the net hard. And he did that multiple times tonight. So a great game from Rasmus Dahlin, and I thought that he really uh, he earned his stripes, and he was uh, the Sabres' best defenseman uh, for sure. 
Let's go through the stats for tonight's game, in particular the ice time, because I think the ice time actually uh, came out to be pretty interesting. For instance, I think it might surprise you that the guy who scored two goals tonight, Connor Sherry, only played nine minutes and 19 seconds of ice time. Little strange, only 16 shifts. That was uh, second lowest on the team uh, next to Kyle Poso. Um, I think part of that was the Sabres took some penalties and Sherry doesn't penalty kill, and he's also on the second power play unit. So when you look at players in terms of their special teams usage, usage or you when you look at Sabres players and their special teams usage throughout the season, Connor Sherry's likely going to fall pretty low uh, in that regard. So that maybe was some part of this partly circumstance tonight. Jack Eichel plays 21 minutes. That top line played a lot. Sam Reinhardt plays 19.37. A um, little less for Victor Olofsson. He plays 17 minutes, 11 seconds, but I, I, that's a nice number for him. I think if he looks at, uh, or if he goes the entire season averaging 17 minutes of ice time, 15 minutes, by the way, even strength, then uh, I think they're gonna do. They're gonna be. They're gonna be fine. And by the way, Sherry, uh, seven minutes, forty-seven seconds of even strength ice time. That is not a lot. That is not a lot. Um, but anyways. Vladimir Sabatka getting 16 minutes and 14 seconds of ice time. I think that needs to drastically change. He needs to, If he's going to be in the lineup, which I don't even want that to happen. I think fans don't want to see that. He needs to be under 10. Um, Jimmy VC plays 12 minutes. Flip-flop that. VC should be playing those four extra minutes, not Vladimir Sabatka. Uh, Marcus Johansson, 15 minutes. How is he playing less than Vladimir Sabatka? Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and then looking at the defense core, uh, Rasmus Dahlin actually only played 15 minutes and 45 seconds of ice time. That is really strange. He, he plays the second least. Him and Colin Miller. That was the third pair tonight. Really interesting. Man, Kruger, I hope this is not a, a thing that becomes common. We saw the same thing that previous coaches have done. The Sabres have all these good puck-moving offensive defensemen, and Ristolainen and guys like Jake McCabe are the ones getting all the ice time. McCabe leads the team with 25 minutes of ice time tonight. Ristolainen is second with 23 minutes and 53 seconds. Lower than he's been in the past, but still way too high for me. Scandella plays 21 minutes, 33 seconds. Those three guys cannot be your highest-played defensemen. No way. No how. And I hope that that, that uh, Kruger comes around on that. And I'm, it's not too much of a problem for me. They played. They all played really well tonight. So I just hope it doesn't become a trend. I hope that Kruger doesn't fall into a trap where he thinks because it worked tonight, playing Sabatka 17 minutes and playing Ristolainen in 24 and McCabe 25 and Scandella 22, that that's going to be something that continues to be successful. Because I don't think it'll continue to be successful, even though it was tonight. Um, Carter Hutton saves 28 shots on 29, or saves 28 out of 29, to 966 save percentage, so a really good job from him. Um, Casey Middlestad, two assists, good job. Olafson, Reinhardt, both with assists. Connor Sherry with two goals. Uh, Jeff Skinner leads the way with five shots on goal for the team, although a lot of them seem to be from the wing. He didn't get a lot of chances in front, partially because of the line that he was playing on, playing with Marcus Johansson, Vladimir Sabatka. It's kind of tough. Uh, looking at the Penguins tonight, what do we think of Pittsburgh? I, I was not overly impressed. I'm wondering how much of tonight was the Sabres doing and how much of it was uh, how Pittsburgh looked in general. 
they um they they did not look great. I thought Crosby disappeared. I thought Matt Murray, even though he made 38 saves on 41 shots, the Sabres were peppering him tonight. Uh, he looked pretty rough. Like those goals, I think you're gonna want two of them back at the very least. I think you want to save a, a goaltender like him. You want to save on Darlene, and uh, even though it's a tough one, it's it's almost like a half breakaway. You should want to save there. He kind of plays it weird. He doesn't get his shoulder up, and I think you definitely want to save on uh, on the Connor Sherry goal, the first one that goes over his shoulder. His arms is very slow to get out there. It, it's not top corner. It's not even really like posting in. Like, sure, it's it's a good shot from Sherry. It's a good release, but it's not it's not f- super hard, and it's also not perfectly placed. So. I think you would want to save if you're Pittsburgh, and that's Matt Murray. So if they get bad Matt Murray this season, uh, they're going to have a long season in front of them. Um, Other players on Pittsburgh that I thought had a really good night, I mentioned Evgeny Malkin. Um, Chris Letang I thought was really good tonight. He plays 28 minutes. So I think it's kind of the same story with Pittsburgh. Malkin's great. Letang's great. Crosby's great. And they just hope they can get enough from the rest of them. And good on Connor Sherry tonight, by the way. Scoring two goals in front of the team he used to play for. By the way... It's pretty funny that they've been trying to get rid of that Jack Johnson contract all offseason. One year in, they're already calling it quits on Jack Johnson, who looked really bad to me tonight. And there's Connor Sherry, the guy Pittsburgh traded away last offseason to make room to sign Jack Johnson. How about that? They trade away Connor Sherry to make room for Jack Johnson. Johnson stinks. Sherry comes in there, scores two goals after a pretty good solid first season with the Sabres, and um, he does it right in front of the fans that he once played for. So a good night for Connor Sherry. I think it's hard to not make him the star of the night. Even though it's weird to make the star of the night a guy who only played nine minutes. I hope that he sees some more ice time. I would hope that that third line sees more ice time. Casey Middlestad only nine minutes and 25 seconds, too. I didn't even mention him. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of stats there from the game uh, tonight. Sabres are next in action on Saturday for their home opener. I am excited. I'm going to be in the arena for it. Um, and uh, I'm really, I'm really hoping that uh, we we see some something to cheer for. You know, I'm hoping that that building is not going to be a library again. Not to the fans' fault. I think it's deserved to be a library for the last uh, for the last few years. So tomorrow night, Sabers Devils, uh, some new faces for New Jersey. New Jersey could be pretty good this season. So a big game uh, for the Sabers to get out ahead and get a couple of wins to get the season going because you know. They got out to a hot start last season, but we really could use another one to try to get some fan uh, f- some fan interest in them early on here. So thanks for listening. And a reminder, we're doing podcasts on weekdays, so I'll talk to you next on Monday. We'll recap some of the uh, the Sabres game against the Devils, and we'll look ahead to the, the week to come for the Buffalo Sabres. This has been the Lockdown Sabres Podcast with Jody Biasi, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.